This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on for another show this Thursday, the 25th of April, 2019, the year being. VORW International is a weekly light entertainment podcast, talk only, where I feature... Oh, just a broad variety of my miscellaneous thoughts and discussion on a wide variety of topics and subject matter. The show is of indeterminate length, but usually lasts about an hour or so. We cover all sorts of things, current events, moral philosophical issues, and many listener-requested topics. So you're going to be hearing it all in this program. A really good variety of discussion, guaranteed, as I do in every program. The show can be heard online via a number of means. You can listen to it online via TuneIn, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, YouTube, Pocket Casts, many other means aside from those. You can also listen in on the international shortwave on the frequencies of 7780 kHz and 5850 kHz every Thursday. Thank you for joining me in today's program. I hope you enjoy the show. If you're listening in right now, make sure you check out our friends over at booksbegone19.com. That's B-O-O-K-S-B-G-O-N-E-19.com. Booksbegone19.com. We pay cash for used books. Turn your used books into cash. We offer non-obligation cash offers for the following types of books. Religious books, textbooks and reference books, history books, and other non-fiction type books. Turn those books you no longer need into some extra cash today. Check out booksbegone19.com. That's booksbegone19.com. If you would like to advertise on VORW International, this is the time to do it. For the next month, I will be offering a discounted rate so you can promote your business, service, product, your message, or your online presence at a reduced cost to tens of thousands of listeners online and over the airwaves. Your message will be heard by a large international audience There's no better time than now to get into it. I will get your message out. There are many ways you can do it. I am open to many options. And I would like to work with you to see your business succeed. Truly beneficial. You get attention out to your business, and it helps this broadcast out at the same time. If you're interested in advertising, please contact me. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Let me know, and I hope to work with you. So here we are, another week gone by, another week elapsed. Final show for April 2019, and uh, following that, of course, we usher in the month of May 2019. So I hope April has been uh, a a good enough enough, uh, month for you. Like I I say in many, many of these programs, uh, time, I mean, it just, it flies by, it speeds by, and the best way I try to deal with that is I just try to say to myself, you know, I'm just here for the ride, 
And that's where that stands. I'm just going to enjoy what we've got, uh, rather than spending that time worrying about how much time uh, there is, or how it's passing by, and so on and so forth. Uh, but nonetheless, I hope April was a fine month for you. Uh, recently, of course, we had Easter, Easter Sunday, and whether you really celebrate it or not, I hope it was a pleasant weekend for you. Uh, if it was a religious observance on your part, hope it went over well. If you were getting some family over, had a big uh, Easter feast, I hope that was all uh, just a very, a very good, pleasant day for you, no matter what it, uh, no matter what you were doing. Even if you were doing nothing at all, then I just hope it was a good, a good Sunday. Now, every show that I record is different. And if you've listened to enough, you you, you kind of know that, you get it. In so much that some programs are going to be, I mean, very, very heavy on certain discussions, whereas others are, I mean, more along the lines of focusing on the listener-suggested topics. And today's one of those days... It's uh, yeah, just one of those, one of those times. I'm just going to touch on a few uh, current events and ongoings, and then we're just going to jump right into uh, what what you guys have to say. So this is going to be a more interactive program today, as opposed to how some were. Uh, this is just going to really be focusing on the uh, listener feedback. All right. Now, first and foremost, one thing directly in regards to the show, good way to support it if you do not want to donate. And another way that may not necessarily be a direct donation is by supporting the program through obtaining merchandise. I have a merchandise store, so if you want to get a t-shirt, a sweatshirt, a tank top, posters, stickers, mugs, you name it, all different designs, Good way to support the show and kind of have some little little memorabilia if you want, or let's say your old coffee mug uh, broke, you want to get a new one, maybe consider getting a VORW mug. You can find that at teespring.com slash stores slash the report of the week. Uh, that again is teespring.com slash stores slash the report of the week. And the reason why I really want to bring that up today is because starting now and ending on Saturday the 27th, we have a discount going, 10% off any sale of any merchandise. When you go to checkout, enter the code TSPRING10 at checkout. That's T-S-P-R-I-N-G-1-0. That's just one long sequence, TSPRING10. At checkout, you'll get a 10% discount on any purchase. Really good way to support it, and if you're a little hard up, this might make things a little easier. You could find it all at teespring.com slash stores slash the report of the week. We now are going to go straight into the second portion of the program, where we take a look at the listener correspondence, topics, and things that you shared with us over the last week. 
So sit back, relax. We're going to open up the mailbag now and uh, see what came in. First things first, uh, this portion of the program is heavily reliant on listener correspondence. So if there's anything you want to say, anything you want to talk about, anything you want to hear me talk about, send me an email, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. That's v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. And keep in mind, if we get no emails, we have no show, so that's why it's always so important. And if there's something you'd like to hear me talk about in the next program, that's the way to do it. There are no guidelines with the topics you suggest. Of course, I do state a standard disclaimer, just that there is no promise that I can get to all of them. But if you don't share it, then there's no chance whatsoever that I'll be able to. So, that's where it stands. You know the email address. So, if you want to hear me talk about something very mundane, uh, if you want to hear me talk about a piece of cheese, for some odd reason, I'll try to come up with something and I'll talk about that. Uh, But if you would want to hear about some sort of deep philosophical issue, you can go with that. If you want to hear me talk about something like... uh, Aliens, ghosts, cryptoids, you know, unsolved mysteries, you name it. Shout it out and just let me know what you'd like to hear. Everything is open on the table if you want to hear me talk about clothing, suits, drinks, swimming pools, cats, dogs, raining cats and dogs. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. If you're listening in on shortwave, reception reports are appreciated. And I will QSL. So if you want a QSL card, you'll get one. Just let me know, say the word, and uh, one will be sent to you. So if you tuned in on uh, 5850 shortwave or 7780, let me know, say the word, and I will verify. So last week, I was mentioning that I had this one experience a few years back with severe weather and I shared my story and I said if you have any stories about severe weather let me know and maybe I will share them in the next program and we got a couple of very interesting responses that I'd like to share with you now first we hear from Ben in Southampton in the UK he says being from the UK we do not tend to have extreme weather here at all No earthquakes, tornadoes, or anything as such. However, over a year ago, a horrific snowstorm nicknamed the, quote, Beast from the East, unquote, hit the UK and affected roads and travel nationwide. I was forced to travel in these conditions, and quite frankly, it was terrifying. I've driven in the snow before, but this was a whole different ball game. A journey which should have taken 30 minutes took almost two hours. Now, I managed to get to my destination unscathed, but I vowed to never travel in that sort of weather again, even just up the road. And that was from Ben in the UK, and uh, I absolutely understand. You know, having been from New York and having spent a good number of my my years up there, yes, snowstorms are not fun to drive in. They can be quite they can be quite scary, especially because. The road conditions just end up changing drastically in the snow. 
And unless you put, you know, the, the chains on your tires, there are no good ways sometimes to be able to get any grip or any traction on the roads. And as a result, you had just if, if you want to drive safely anyway, you have to inch along. Because otherwise, if you go too fast and suddenly you need to stop, chances are you're not going to. And that's why sometimes you see these videos online of these massive pile-up accidents that happen during these snowstorms. Sometimes you wonder, well, how can there be a 70-car pile-up? Won't people just be able to stop? Well, trust me, the people that got into that accident were trying to stop. It's just that because they were going so fast, and with the road conditions being what they were, there just there was no way to possibly be able to stop in time, and before you know it, you're either hitting the car in front of you, or you're running off the road, because those are pretty much the only two things that you have left to do at that point in time. Our next story comes from Roy in Austin, Texas, regular listener. He says, uh, back in the day, if you really wanted to secure tickets to the opening day of a movie or a concert, then you had to physically camp the spot where they were going on sale. My group was very excited for the prospect of a new Star Wars movie, The Phantom Menace, and we kept scouting the theater. Around three to two and a half weeks before the tickets went on sale, tents started going up. I think our group ended up being the sixth or seventh setting up our camp there. Now, the theater was very good to us. Uh, they asked us all to set up on the side of the building, and they also asked that we just have one person present for each four tickets we wished to buy. I think our group had 14 to 15 people, so we always had four people there. We broke it up into four-hour shifts. It was a very fun experience, a bunch of Star Wars nerds hanging out and playing games, and I think there were about 10 to 12 groups total. So, being a night owl, I ended up taking a lot of the double night shifts, and one night, just as I was getting there, Two of our group arrived with phone books, and they said a huge storm was coming. So we spread the six or seven phone books around to prevent the tent from blowing away. As we did this, I thought to myself, this was overkill. I mean, I had always been overweight, and with three other people, I wasn't worried about the storm. Well, that night, the storm was one of the most powerful I have ever witnessed. The roar of the wind and rain was deafening, and even with all the weight, I felt the tent lift off the ground just an inch or so several times. That morning, our tent was the only one standing. Now, thankfully, I don't recall about anyone being hurt. I think everyone else just fled to their cars when it started getting bad. Everybody set themselves back up, and the community began referring to the incident as Hurricane Yoda. Now, this is, of course, on the lighter side of severe weather, as there were no injuries or deaths. But nonetheless, I am glad I got to experience camping out to buy tickets for something, meeting like-minded people, all eagerly anticipating some great entertainment. <laughs> Even for less anticipated movies, you had to get there three hours early at least to get a good seat from the premiere. Now it's all just point-click the assigned seating. Our group remains divided on the prequels, from loving them to being extremely disappointed, but we all agree it was a fun experience getting the tickets. Thank you, Roy, for your story. And uh, as I was reading this, not that I have any feelings, but 
I, I know the movie, The Phantom Menace, is, is not regarded very highly by many people. So I, I was thinking as I was, as I was reading this, I was thinking, you know, you know that there's going to be someone out there listening that's thinking, I, I can't believe people risked their lives over some tickets for The Phantom Menace of all films. But of course, you got to understand at the time, it, it was not, it was a big deal. You know, especially Star Wars movies, that's a big deal. But I'm glad that you guys were okay, and it must have just been scary, though, to be in that tent and actually feel it lifting off the ground like that. <laughs> yeah, I am glad that those phone books were there, though. It's probably what ended up saving the day, nonetheless. So, glad you guys made it out there unscathed, and, uh, you know, we're able to make some lemonade out of those metaphorical lemons. Uh, next up, we hear from Tim in Melbourne, Australia, who says, I was listening to your podcast about the extreme weather events, and I have experienced a few, but one of the most memorable was exiting a local store during a severe thunderstorm, and a bolt of lightning hit the steel roof no more than 30 meters in front of me. The sound was phenomenal. I know there was a few years ago when I saw a water spout out my bedroom window, would have been about 10 miles away, I think. All the best from Tim, Melbourne, Australia. Thank you, Tim. And, uh, oh yeah, I've, I've had my experiences with lightning. Where sometimes here in Florida, you'll get it where, I mean, it sounds like the lightning is striking right outside your window. You know, there's all sorts of uh, different types of thunder. And the ones that are just crack... And it is loud immediately. You know that it's close. You know that it's right there. And uh, all that you can do is you just have to say to yourself, Well, I'm not outside. I'm not going to be what the storm is looking for as a conductor. As long as I stay inside and don't do anything stupid, it'll perhaps be pretty crazy, but it will not be the end of the world. So that's just what I do. But sometimes the lightning can be pretty crazy. I remember there was one situation where I was getting some pizza. And it was during a thunderstorm, but you know, again, no big deal. So I went in, you know, I was, I was getting a couple slices to go. And as I was walking back out, <laughs> boom, you know, there was just this huge massive bolt of lightning and you know it was just it was so massive I, I couldn't believe it so I just you know scurried away to wherever I needed to be and didn't uh, dwaddle about any longer than I needed to and I made it through unscathed you know but lightning can be very spectacular uh, but of course it can be a dangerous phenomenon nonetheless uh, next up we hear from Melissa who has the following she says, As for your comments on the weather, I agree with you. In my neck of the woods up here in northern Virginia, the weather has become increasingly more severe in the last decade. I have a few radios for weather emergencies, but I have taken up the idea of getting a shortwave radio. Now, I'm not sure I'm in the possession of any interesting weather stories, but I do remember one of note. Several years ago, I was caught in a rather severe thunderstorm while driving home. While in a slightly wooded area, suddenly a large, shockingly bright, 
what I could only describe as a massive bolt of lightning exploded in front of me in a large flash of blinding light. Of course, this was accompanied at the same time by a deafening crack of riotous thunder. It was a shocking experience, and one I had never had before, nor have had since. I feel lucky I wasn't struck by the bolt of lightning itself, though it was awfully close. Fascinating and frightening equal parts. Here where I live, the weather has become so much more severe uh, that while in the past, there was almost never any worry of things like floods or tornadoes, and now we actually have such threats somewhat routinely at certain times of the year, like now in the spring. Thank you, Melissa, for writing in. And uh, again, just following on the theme of thunderstorms, they can be... They can just be very crazy. But I'm again glad that you were able to make it through and make it out of there unscathed in one piece. Next up, we hear from Christine, who has the following weather story to share. I've never really been in any particular type of weather that disturbed me, so I suppose it was fitting that I found myself far away from home and in one of the most horrific situations. Perhaps this will not make your list as a weather story as it is about being on the big island of Hawaii during the tsunami that devastated Japan. My then boyfriend and I had literally just landed in Hawaii and noticed on our way to the rental car desk that many people were absolutely glued to their cell phones, all seemingly listening uh, for the same story. Apparently, the tsunami had hit while we were in flight, so there was no way that we would know about it until we landed. While waiting for a rental car, a gentleman in line with a lot of astonishment in his voice stated that there was a major tsunami that hit Japan, and he had enough concern on his face to make me want to tune in myself. Sure enough, we found the news story, but thought nothing further of it. On the way to our hotel, we noticed that there were extremely long lines for gas, and <laughs> I mean extremely long lines. As I had visited other Hawaiian islands previously, such as Maui and Oahu, I thought perhaps gas was something that all of the locals purchased at the same time on one evening of the week. Again, thought nothing of it. Now, the roads in Hawaii are very dark, and I already have a little bit of a problem seeing at night, so we called ahead to our hotel, which is beautifully, yet precariously, built right on the shoreline for directions. The customer service rep at the hotel didn't want to greet me or get into much small talk. Uh, she confirmed our reservation and told us to immediately go straight to an outdoor mall, one and a half miles in the opposite direction we were traveling, and up the mountain. As she stated it with so much authority, that I thought she was being rude, but I realize now she was doing her job and not trying to panic. So, we arrived there, and it was a beautiful evening, very balmy, very calm. We laid down in the grass and looked at the stars, and everything really seemed perfect, until something I had not thought about had occurred. Now, obviously, because of the seismic activity that happened under the sea, there was sending a wave toward Japan. I knew that it was going to send a wave toward us, but I had forgotten what kind of wave first hits a landmass. So somewhere around 2.30 in the morning, they sounded the alarm. You know, the ones that sound like you're in a Godzilla movie. I'd never actually heard that siren in real life, and it's very jolting. Because it was in the middle of the night and you couldn't see anything, pitch black outside, and that was perhaps the most unnerving part about the whole thing, as you're anticipating a wave that you cannot see. 
Somewhere around 3.15 in the morning, I heard the most frightening noise I'd ever heard in my life. The sound of the entire ocean, almost from its belly, made a deep, guttural, whirling sound, and it was loud and became louder and louder, and you can't see anything. Now, the tsunami was actually hitting the island at this point, and I became relieved that we were high enough not to be hurt. Now, obviously, it didn't devastate the island, but it did wash out a few hotels and their furniture, and one house completely to sea, but no one died. Four days later, I decided I'd waited long enough to get back into the ocean, and it wasn't long enough, because the undertow was pulling me to the south, and I kept having to swim back. It was an unforgettable experience, and to this day I've never heard the guttural sounds of nature the same way I did that night. Thank you very much for sharing your experience, a very unique and fascinating one at that, and thankfully at least the tsunami was not uh, too terribly impactful at your location, though I can't even begin to imagine how scary that must have been, being able to hear it, but not able to see it, so you were pretty much just left to your own thought, not knowing how severe or calm it would possibly be. But I'm glad you guys made it out in one piece, and uh, absolutely, it was a very tragic incident uh, that day, the tsunami in Japan back in 2011. And this is VORW Radio International. We have one more story to uh, share. And this one comes from Nick in Bloomington, Illinois. He writes, I have a storm story from when I was a child, and it has stuck with me to this day. When I was around eight or so, there was a huge thunderstorm that kept getting worse and worse as the day went on. I remember before the storm broke, going outside and just seeing a wall of black clouds contrasted with the bright sunny sky. It rained so hard that our streets were underwater to the point where people were able to ride canoes around, trees were uprooted around the neighborhood, and life pretty much halted for a few days. The power was out for about a week. Even as someone who always loves thunderstorms and finds them relaxing, it was the scariest storm I have ever experienced. Thank you for sharing that, Nick. And while I've, I've definitely been through a good number of thunderstorms, I don't think I can say that I've ever been through that degree of flooding before. So I'm glad you and your family made it through okay, and uh, certainly something that you're not going to forget anytime soon. This is VORW Radio International, blasting across the Atlantic on 7780 kHz. If you're tuned in right now, feedback, questions, comments, topic suggestions, and reception reports, email me, VORWINFO at gmail.com. Oh, it's great to know what you guys are thinking of the show. Even if you don't have any thoughts, it's good to know someone is listening. Reception reports are welcome. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. With that, we now shall be getting to the listener-suggested topics. Sit back, we have a good amount of very interesting topics coming your way on V-O-R-W. Now, before anything else, I would like to give a few shout-outs to online listeners... Hazim in the UK, Sergey Z, Jack in New Zealand, Paik in Mississippi, Mr. Silverback in Sweden, Chris in Charlotte, North Carolina, 
Germain F. and Julie in Georgia. All of them listening in online. We get many online pieces of feedback, so we can't shout everyone out, but, but hello to everyone tuned in. And on shortwave, we have a literal handful of people listening. John in Lancaster, California, tuned in on 5850 kHz. Lydia S. in Illinois, tuned in on 5850. Stephen in Norristown, Pennsylvania, listening on 5850. Doug, a regular listener in Georgia, listening in on 5850. And Pavel in Belgorod City, Russia, hearing us on 7780 kHz. Your topic suggestions are appreciated. If there's something that you would like to hear my thoughts on, way to do it, email me, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O, at gmail.com. Sean in Montreal is checking in. He says, uh, I'm, I'm wearing suits every day. So he's a fellow suit wearer. He says, what do you suggest wearing for wet weather? Mainly on blustery, windy days where umbrellas tend to pop inside out or take off with gusts. Is there a waterproof hat you wear? Thank you, Sean, for writing in. Uh, Obviously, in Florida, there are plenty of days where you have uh, lots of of wet weather. And what I always go with is a... I always prefer, like, the old-school raincoats. So, I like wearing a tan, double-breasted trench coat. Uh, you know, that that's like one of the very old school ones. And it's, I mean, that is hard to find. The one that I wear is vintage. Uh, it's 1980s Ralph Lauren. Uh, but that's exactly the style that I want. You know, something that, let's say, uh, someone on Wall Street would wear from the 80s or early 90s. So I like wearing these very long, uh, just tan, double-breasted trench coats. And... Uh, I mean, those are hard to find at this point, because nowadays when you look for a trench coat, all the new ones just kind of go down to your waist, and that's it. And I'm not a fan of that at all, because, I mean, if you're wearing nice pants, you don't want to get those soaking wet. So, that's what I usually wear. usually wear a trench coat, and uh, if the weather is extremely inclement, uh, I will button it up all the way, so not even my my tie will be uh, exposed. So then I'll be able to stay dry. I don't really wear a hat, because my hair as it is is slicked back. So I mean, if, if it, you know, it's only water that's raining down, so it's no big deal to me. I, you know, I, I put plenty of water in my hair to begin with, so there's no, no harm done. And uh, if anything, sometimes it can feel a little refreshing. Uh, but usually a good trench coat, especially buttoned up all the way, will do a, do a fine job and keep you dry. Definitely better than an umbrella, because you can wear your suit under it, and then once you get to work or wherever you're going, you can just take the coat off, hang it up, and uh, your outfit underneath should be just nice and dry. Uh, Whereas, of course, with umbrellas, those can be especially annoying when it's uh, especially windy, or, I mean, I remember there was one time I had this umbrella, and it was a very nice one, but I needed to go through the parking lot and get to the car. And the rain was pouring down, so the umbrella was was sufficient. But of course, when you make it to the car, <laughs> you know you can't just go right in with the umbrella uh, fully up. You're gonna have to either get into the car and keep the door open, and then undo the umbrella, either throw it in the back seat. You'll probably get 
some water on you. Or while you're out there, undo it, put it wherever, and then get in. It's a lose-lose situation. And uh, I still ended up getting, I mean, pretty pretty soaked because of just how, how fast the rain was coming down. Uh, but oftentimes, a trench coat or a long raincoat will help that out and uh, solve that problem. Uh, but that's my go-to, the trench coat. Although I also have a tan, single-breasted raincoat uh, that also does the job just fine. Both of them have lining on the inside, but that lining can be removed. So sometimes, even if it's on a, uh, a non-weather day, and I'm looking for a, a jacket to wear because it's a little chilly, sometimes I'll keep the lining in the trench coat or the raincoat and just wear that, uh, because it still looks fine even if it's on a non-rainy day. And I just really like the way it looks. So thank you, Sean. I hope that helped, and, uh, you know, keep it up. You wear what you want to wear, and uh, if it suits, you know, keep at it. Just keep doing you and stay true to yourself. Next, we've got Tyler in Tyler, Texas, uh, who just had the following. He said, what do you think about blindly following a political party? Now, obviously, that type of question can open up a can of worms, uh, so I'm just going to give the answer that I'm comfortable sharing to it. I think having blind loyalty to a political party is an issue. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be uh, very steadfast and uh, you know, grounded in your ideology and ideals and so on. But what I do mean is that you should always be open to various things. Because as a result of that, you can support what you want to support, but at least you're open to new ideas, so then if, you know, whatever group or organization that you follow does something that you're not a fan of, you can say, all right, well, do I still want to be part of this? Uh, do I want to re-examine things, reanalyze things? And it's okay if you're part of one political party, but then you see someone that's on the other party or third party or whatnot, that you, you think, you know, actually, this, uh, this guy makes a lot of sense, and uh, it's okay that if you're voting, uh, let's say you usually vote uh, Democrat, and there's someone who's independent that you see, you know, does a good job, and you want to vote for them, then, you know, nothing wrong with that. Same thing if you see someone from Republican Party, or vice versa, Democrat Party, uh, that you think, you know what, even if I support this for the most part, this guy seems like a good politician. Like what he says, I'm going to give him a vote. What's wrong with that? There's absolutely nothing. So, I think having that blind loyalty is not a good thing. I think it's important to be open-minded, and at the same time, of course, it's perfectly fine to know what you want, and to be an active and, you know, pretty steady member of one affiliation or the next, but as a result, you shouldn't just block out everything else in the world and say, nope, I'm not going to hear it, only going to do this, or only going to do that. Hear what other people have to say, and if you disagree with all of it, that's fine, but at least you're lending that ear. Of course, now some people, uh, you know, like blind following, uh, especially, of course, uh, people in more authoritarian states who are in charge, you know, they, they want people to follow them as though they were God. But what I believe is people having that freedom and ability to be open-minded, uh, 
And you know what? Even if they're a lifelong supporter of this and that, but they see something that they're not a fan of in their movement, they have every right to change their mind and do what they feel is right. So that's my two cents on that. Of course, though, the people who usually are blind followers of one thing or another, you know, the message isn't going to get through. You know the way it goes. Totally fine to have your beliefs solidified. Always good to be open-minded, most importantly. Uh, We go over next to Richard, who writes, I am 52 years old, uh, reasonably well-educated, and consider myself grounded and skeptical by nature. Some months ago, I, for the first time in my life, witnessed a UFO. I'm tentatively ascribing what I saw as probably being an unmanned military test vehicle. I had it in constant sight for no less than 10 minutes. The object was performing moves and maneuvers that I know for a fact should not be possible given our current technology. Immediately after the event, I did some research into similar sightings, and after filtering through all of the fantastical fabrications and conspiracy material, I did come across several credible sources indicating a recent spike in similar sightings in my area of Long Island, New York. Have you ever had any UFO experiences? What are your thoughts on matters of super-secret government technology, its implications, and perhaps the more far-fetched possibility of alien visitors? Now, I haven't had any UFO experiences. I've seen plenty of military aircraft, some very interesting ones. You know, I remember about a year ago I saw, obviously this wouldn't really be mistaken as a UFO, but it was interesting nonetheless. Uh, I, I saw the um, V-22 Osprey. That's, I think that's used by the uh, Marine Corps, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But I saw one of those flying around. Um, for the most part, I think that a lot of UFOs are either mistaken identity... Or it is government, spy planes, advanced technology uh, that they're just hiding from us. Like, for for instance, Area 51. Do I think that there are, you know, dead bodies of aliens uh, in the freezer over there? Uh, No, I don't. Uh, But I do believe that it is very likely a testing ground. And I wouldn't be surprised if the technology that is at our disposal is far more advanced than you would ever think. But as a result, let's just say that the powers that be don't necessarily want to let it out. I mean, I can go on a crazy tangent, but sometimes it's hiding in plain sight. Like, you look at a lot of the declassified information from the CIA, like, and this is, again, off-topic, but you look at things like MK Ultra and all of that, People think that's conspiracy theorist stuff, yet it is completely declassified, and what seems like it's completely, you know, oh, that can't be real, you know, it's just fake. No, that was completely legitimate, it's declassified, and it's hiding in plain sight. And you look this up, this isn't any sort of tinfoil hat garbage. This is completely declassified by the Central Intelligence Agency. So, you look at that, and you think about what is classified and what is still uh, done to this day. Uh, absolutely are there aircraft out there that 
their capabilities far, far supersede uh, anything we really know of uh, in regards to modern aviation. You even look back to uh, the days of the SR-71 Blackbird. That type of plane, I guarantee people probably saw it at first and thought it was a UFO. And it's a shame it's no longer used, but it just seems so incredibly advanced, given the time it was made. Even, of course, the U-2, Dragon Lady, as it's called, the spy plane that's still used to this day. Another, Another good instance of how advanced certain technology was for its era. And even in the commercial realm, look at the Concorde. It was able to get from New York to Paris in three hours. And uh, it's not even done anymore. But let alone that type of technology, uh, extremely high speed, high altitude aircraft, has existed for for decades and decades. So I, I believe that a lot of the UFO sightings are very likely either mistaken identity, especially if it's done through a camera. If it's through the naked eye, I think that there's a good possibility that it is... Uh, advanced military aircraft, spy planes, uh, could be for scientific research as well, and not necessarily by the United States government. You know, there's other countries that fly their spy planes and surveillance aircraft uh, over airspace as well. So, I think that's what it most likely comes down to. In regards to aliens, I mean, I think that aliens exist, without a doubt. You explore the uh, Fermi Paradox, uh, which quite simply states, if the universe is so big, and there's so much out there, why haven't we discovered alien life yet? And I think the answer to that is simple. It's just so massive. And there's always a chance that alien life is not necessarily interested in us. Or it may very well have visited at one point or another, and it's not interested anymore, or it could be a silent observer, or it's just that the universe is so massive, they're caught up in their own business, doing their own thing, and uh, they just, you know, they haven't found us yet. But I fully believe that alien life does exist, though it may not necessarily be in the form that most of us think, you know, the, the... gray skin, and the big eyes, and big head, and kind of looks like me, and uh, what have you. Uh, it, it very likely may be something completely beyond our comprehension, uh, especially if you start exploring the possibility of alternate universes, uh, different dimensions. There are so many things out there that we, you know, as our mind is currently, it is impossible to wrap our head around. Uh, but, you know, like, you go back to the 1950s, uh, you know, the flying saucers and whatnot. I don't think that there's any of that. I think much of that was mass hysteria and hoaxes. And you still kind of get that today. But, it, you know, it's like, back in the days when all you had at your disposal was a grainy a piece of garbage camcorder that had extremely low resolution, you would get so many UFO reports. Now in the days when everyone has a smartphone 
and it is capable of recording video in 1080p. Uh, you know, I always record in 1440p, yeah, I'm a big shot over here. Uh, but you could even have 4K video. Where are all the where are all the sightings? Where is that clear as crystal video? I think that right there says something about the amount of hoaxes that have been propagated over time. But that isn't to say that there are still those unidentified flying objects. So I think almost all of them are the result of our own testing. However, I believe aliens exist. And is there still that chance that they've visited or are monitoring Earth? Absolutely. And that's not something that I'm going to write off. I find it just far more likely that it is government aircraft, spy planes, etc., uh, instead of aliens kind of observing us and flying around and going for a joy ride over Long Island. Uh, but nonetheless, that's my two cents. And like I said earlier, it's always important to be open-minded, and that's how I try to be in regards to this situation. So thank you, Richard, uh, Long Island, for your topic suggestion. Always fascinating to talk about these things. The next topic uh, in this program comes from Jaime in Lenexa, Kansas. Uh, that's going with the ethnic pronunciation of the name, J-A-I-M-E, um, who writes, I'd love to hear you expound on meme culture. You probably have a unique perspective, having been the subject of memes for years now. I find them to be a great form of entertainment, but I can't help but think... In a social media-driven world, we lose a lot of the nuance and subtlety required for a proper exchange of information. Uh, thank you for writing in. <laughs> well, when it comes down to memes and all of that stuff, I mean, my viewpoint is very, very, very dated. You know, it's more, more towards something that probably most kids' parents would have at this point in time. Or I don't really see them necessarily as a uh, a means of communication, like you said, uh, though arguably they, they are used as so. Uh, rather, I see them as a means of entertainment. And, uh, of course, there's so many different types. You know, it's, it's not like just posting a picture or something anymore. Uh, there's so much that goes down to it, and there's many things uh, that, when not taken with proper context, wouldn't make any sense. You know, like, you look at half the crap that uh, my own videos have been used in, where some of it, I, I even scratch my own head. Some people take my videos and they'll Photoshop stuff in it. And I'm just sitting there, I'm scratching my head like, uh, you know, what what the heck is this even? <laughs> like, there is this one where uh, I was, it was a clip taken from one of my reviews and I'm sitting there in the car. And someone edited out the background, and there was some half-naked guy dancing in the window. And I mean, I found that amusing at the sheer absurdity of it, but there's more to it than that. And, you know, that just didn't connect with me. That's how most of it is at this point in time. Uh, but granted, like I said, as a means of entertainment, that doesn't really bother me. Yeah. Entertainment, as it is, is ever-changing, and I understand it. It never stays the same. The one thing that bothers me with uh, memes, from what I see, 
is how it undermines serious issues. That's the one thing that I don't support at all. Where some people, I don't understand this meme, where some people uh, use very, very sarcastically and ironically, they say, oh, I'm depressed, oh, I want to kill myself, this and that. You know, that's disgusting. If someone is going to say such a thing, either be serious or just don't say it at all. Uh, because all it's doing is hurting the people that truly feel that way. You can be feeling a little down and have a bad day, but to say, oh, uh, you know, I want to ironically kill myself or however it goes uh, is absolutely disgusting because it's, it's, it's extremely harmful to people who really are going through a very difficult time and now their legitimate misfortune and issues that they're going through is watered down uh, because of a bunch of people who consider it a joke. So that's where I, I find I find it a little disgusting. When the line between entertainment and something that's seriousness gets gets crossed. Because some things you can just you could easily mark off as just entertainment. And you know, alright, well, that's just for laughs or whatever. There's other things that it is significantly harder to tell, and as a result, I just don't think those lines should be crossed or blurred at all. Now, of course, you see memes uh, used very much in the world of politics as well, uh, and I think a lot of the time it's done in order to express a certain point of view, uh, a way of, you know, you feel a certain way. Sometimes, you know, a picture tells a thousand words, uh, that's... I think a lot of the time what it's used for, but there's nothing wrong, I think, with for the sake of entertainment, or even for the simple conveyance of a certain feeling or thought or emotion or that it may perhaps be easier to invoke through the use of an image rather than trying to get it down in writing. However, like I said, uh, there are the certain things that try to uh, make light of something that really shouldn't be and, again, undermines something's seriousness uh, that I have my personal disagreements toward. However, the world is the way it is. It's not going to change, uh, and I don't, I don't see it changing. So people will do what they do, and that's where that stands, uh, but that's just my, my thoughts on that matter. But I'm not going to sit there and rail against something as if I actually have the power to change something, uh, because that's quite simply just not... That's not what's going to happen. So... I have my disagreements, uh, but people are just going to keep doing their thing, and I'm going to keep doing mine. Thank you for writing in, and uh, for your topic suggestion. Next topic coming up is from an anonymous listener. Hello, hope you're doing well today. Your discussion about the Notre Dame fire reminded me of something. While I saw overwhelming support for France, uh, there were quite a few people who were eager to point out flaws, so to speak. For instance, some people pointed out that if a handful of France's wealthiest were able to contribute so much for Notre Dame, how could they not give more to giving areas cleaner water, ending world hunger, poverty, etc.? It was also mentioned that Brazil's National Museum burning down did not nearly get as much coverage as Notre Dame did. Thank you for your topic suggestion. Well, here's the cold hard truth plain and simple. It's not that they aren't aware of the problems at hand, 
and that they have the resources and ability to actually do something to change them. It's that they just don't care. They never have, and they never will. They don't care if you're broke, if you're hungry, if you're dying. They don't care, you know? They don't care. I'll get mine, you get yours. That's how the rich stay rich. That's how they're always going to. Never forget it. If all of the world's problems were suddenly eliminated, how are the people that made their fortunes manipulating those issues and cashing in on them ever going to make money? So, they want you to stay down on your luck. They want other people to. They want the world to get polluted. They don't care. They'll say something good to save face and get good PR. It's the way it always goes. But in the end, they're going to go with the cheapest means of production, practically slave labor at this point. They're going to keep people sick, going to keep people poor, so they can keep paying into the medical system. They're going to go, again, like I said, the means of cheap production, save costs. They don't care about pollution. It's all about the money. And the other unfortunate thing, of course, is that they do have an order of preference in regards to countries. You know, like another question you could ask, and it pretty much answers it, is you can say, you look at the people like uh, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, etc. They have the money where they could essentially end homelessness in the United States. So why haven't they done it already? Same answer. It's unfortunate. It's a, it's one heck of a downer as a topic, but I think I, that's, that's just what I believe. Uh, there's always going to be those class differences, and nothing's going to change it. I would love to see it change. I wish it would change. I don't think it will, sadly. But that's why it is the way that it is. So, I mean, I think that the protesters have a perfectly valid point to bring up. However, that should not be interpreted as, oh, I don't care about the Notre Dame Cathedral, and uh, you know, just bulldoze the whole thing and you know, repurpose the money. No, I, I think it's a beautiful historic structure, and it's wonderful to see the restoration efforts. In a perfect world, I wish more was done for the true restoration of society, that's not going to happen. And I'm just explaining why things are the way that they are. But thank you nonetheless for writing in. Certainly a topic that's been kind of going around my own mind this last week. Thank you for bringing attention to it. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com address for correspondence. Feedback, topic suggestions, reception reports. Next topic comes from Becky and Koki Hansen, longtime listeners. Happy Easter. Thanks for answering the questions last week. Always enjoy hearing what you have to say. This week's question, or kind of a topic, I guess. I was watching some old reviews the other day, like the Loft House cookie one, and uh, the one where Wendy's gave you the pulled pork instead of the pulled pork burger, and a few others. Anyway, it used to be kind of fiery. Uh, you'd get worked up in a funny way, now you're much more dry and formal, also in a good way. I'll be specific. During the Loft House cookie review, you seemed cranky and filled with disgust. Uh, you took Loft House's failure as an insult. It was personal. In the Popeye's Shrimp review, which is equally as entertaining, you seemed disappointed, filled with loss, like you were never going to see an old friend again. 
Now, these are two very different ways of dealing with disappointment. Did you make a conscious decision to be a bit more even in your approach to life, or would you say you just matured? Anyway, it just cracked me up because you were such a fast-talking kid who had a little bit of edge and anger behind your wit. And now you are more sarcastic and dry in your sense of humor and talk in a more measured and deliberate speed. Thank you very much for your question and uh, slash topic suggestion, best way to put it. It was not a conscious change. Uh, so it, it was something that happened naturally over the years. And I think it was just because, still, as I was starting to film these reviews, it was still a very formative period in my life. So, of course, during that time, you're going through a lot of change. And just over the course of years, you can be a completely different person. So, of course, because I was not as mature, no, in the topic of maturity itself, I think a lot of people end up thinking that they're more mature than they really are. I remember at the time, in 2014, I, I thought I was mature. Now I look back a few years ago, and I realize I wasn't. I guarantee the same thing is going on right now, and uh, I'll probably look back at this and I'll say, oh man, I was so stupid, you know, I, I can't believe I actually thought I was collected at the time. But that's an aside. Nonetheless, it was a gradual process. I think it was because I was just less mature at the time and had a little bit more energy than I do now. You combine those two things together, and more likely than not, you're going to be more energetic and perhaps you're going to have that greater likelihood of having a more, you know, like you said, kind of an, a reaction that has a bit more edge and uh, anger behind it than uh, nowadays, which is kind of a complete disappointment. So let's say back then I got the wrong menu item. Probably, you know, I haven't seen that video in so long, but I would imagine I was probably to the extent, like, uh, you know, they screwed up again, they messed up and this and that, and I was uh, quite visibly upset. Uh, whereas nowadays, I mean, I get the wrong item all the time. Well, you know... Oh, well, maybe, you know, I'll go back and I'll get a new one. And that's the end of it. And if anything, if I have a complaint, it won't necessarily be through emotional anger. It'll rather be a, hopefully, a constructive expression of disappointment. So it was an evolutionary change. Not necessarily something that I could hone down to any one specific moment, you know, I, I can't say that, uh, oh yeah, you know, I remember, uh, when I, when I finally tried that Papa John's pizza in, um, you know, May of 2015, that was the turning point, and I decided to, to turn it all around. Obviously, I can't, I can't say that. There's no one time when it changed. It's just a gradual process that happened over the years, and there was that switch from, uh, that type of aggression to being more mellowed out, best way to put it, probably. And, like I said, there's no singular turning point. It's just, over time, 
gradual change. Gradual, I would even go as far as to call it progress. Not something you necessarily notice, it just happens. Thank you for bringing that to the table. Always happy to talk about that. This is VORW. As mentioned always, this program is listener-supported. If you like what you hear, you want to hear more of it, keep it going. Donate, please. Patreon.com slash the report of the week. If you use PayPal, donate via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. We don't get a ton of donations each week. Usually it's just a few that come in here and there. Last week we maybe got about four, mostly in the smaller amounts. Every month it's got to be asked. It's got to be brought to the table. This is the time for it. If you like this show, and you can, please donate. Do what you can. Always ask the question, if not you, then who? If you can spare it, and I know not all of us can. I know we have our debts, we have our bills, we've got to pay ourselves. Rent, food, transportation, and yes, you know, for yourself too. It's important to have a little fun in life. But if you are able to, consider donation 100 50 20 10 dollars whatever you can spare it's much appreciated as i mentioned earlier in the show pretty much at the very beginning one other way you can support this is by buying merch at teespring.com/stores/the report of the week that's teespring.com/stores/the report of the week And from Thursday to Saturday, the 25th to the 27th, if you use the coupon code TSPRING10, that's T-S-P-R-I-N-G-1-0, you'll get 10% discount off of any purchase. Likewise, if you want to get a shortwave radio, it's a medium that you know I'm a very, very, very strong advocate of. Get a shortwave radio and listen in to what the world has to offer. You can find one at Amazon.com slash shop slash the report of the week. That is another way to help this program out. Thank you, and uh, very obligatory, but absolutely necessary. All right, so we have three last topics uh, to discuss in today's program, and then we're going to wrap things up. Uh, So next we hear from Tim in Sweden. He says... My topic suggestion is pessimism about the world. I feel like there is this assumption by almost everyone that the world is worse now. Doesn't matter who it is or what their ideology is. Whenever someone talks about the world nowadays, it seems to me like the base assumption is, quote, Oh, the world is so unsafe now and everything is going to S, unquote. I don't think that's true, though. Obviously, there are problems. Violence is happening all the time. Political ideologies people don't like may be growing. The rich are getting richer. All of these things are things that have always been happening, though. Arguably, way more than in the past. It feels like people, however, ignore that there was a horribly violent world war 70 years ago where millions of people were killed, and cities were destroyed on a regular basis. Nothing on that scale was happening now. 
They ignore that scientific progress is happening. They ignore that lives are getting easier in a lot of ways. And I feel like everyone, including me, just, just defaults to this everything is going to mentality. Do you agree with this? Thanks for reading. Thank you, Tim, uh, checking in from Sweden, for your question. Now, yes, that is a, uh, a popular mindset. And personally, I think, you know, you do get a lot of people that say, oh, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, yet when you do compare, you look at World War II, and you look at World War I, and you see the sheer amounts of devastation and destruction. I mean, in both of those world wars combined, tens and tens of millions of people killed. And, you know, there never has been a conflict on that magnitude ever since then. I think the big issue is, you know, while we know, right, what happened 70 years ago, there aren't too many of us around anymore that can really say we experienced it firsthand. I mean, you know, a lot of the youngest people were uh, either little kids, and, you know, their memory might not be the best, especially, you know, I know that there are people who tune into this, this show every week who are in their 70s, but even if you were born in the 1940s, you know, you're not going to remember World War II. And a lot of your your memories are going to start coming from maybe the late 1940s and then into the 1950s, and you'll still be just growing up, and you'll be a kid or, you know, a young person. And those who were old enough to vividly remember World War II are mostly in their 90s or older at this point. So a large majority of people currently alive just do not remember, uh, you know, those, those terrible events. Now, of course, you do have uh, lots of people that perhaps uh, remember Vietnam and, you know, fought there and uh, all of that just terrible stuff, but again, that was not on a global scale like World War II was, and, you know, World War I as well. So, I think while we can know that things definitely were worse many years ago, because we can't firsthand experience that and compare to it, we can't fully understand. So we're just going to take what we have in front of us, and pretty much in our minds extrapolate and just look at how bad it is, even if we know it was worse in the past, because we never experienced that, and mind you, that is a very good thing, we can't necessarily fully put it into proper context. Now, yes, there still are parts of the world that are struggling. The Syrian civil war is something that I've been following extremely close for years now, and that's probably the biggest full-scale conflict going on right now, but... Even that, granted the scope of destruction is still massive, uh, is not as bad as how, you know, World War II or any of those conflicts were. Uh, where there was a time with World War II, I believe on the Eastern Front, uh, 10,000 people died every single day. You know, you never see anything on that magnitude anymore, and that's good. Uh, but like I said, I think it's just because, you know, because we haven't ever fully experienced it, we can't fully understand so we'll just see the problems we have currently and uh, really just look at them without ever being able to fully compare them. But again, I think that's a good thing. I think it's better to sit there 
and complain about how bad you think the world is than, you know, the world actually being as bad as it was just decades ago. I'd rather we all sit around and complain and no one gets hurt than get rounded up and killed. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll definitely take that one alternative over the, the next. But part of me also thinks that people just naturally want to complain about something and they'll always find, always find something to pick on. And uh, that's just human nature. Thank you, Tim, for checking in. Uh, we hear from Blue3528 in Boston. He wanted to hear my thoughts on the Massachusetts police scandal. And admittedly, I needed to do my research on that uh, because, uh, you know, I, I was checking the media and I know this is very big in the Boston area, but it's a piece of regional news that uh, really I wasn't seeing anywhere about and this is the first that I ever heard about it. What it is, it was essentially a scandal, and again, my, my understanding is not in tip-top shape, but from my understanding, it was a scandal with the Massachusetts State Police, where a number of officers were getting paid, and this is like a financial crime, essentially, uh, getting paid significant amounts of money for overtime that they never really did. So it's really a means of, of fraud, and... Uh, like I always say, just kind of white-collar financial crime, where no one necessarily got hurt or killed or abused, but there were significantly large amounts of money that are going into people's pockets that shouldn't necessarily be there. And I mean, my thoughts on this, there does need to be oversight. And if there are those financial issues going on, they need to be cracked down on, and legal action needs to be taken. You know, you can't let people uh, just buck the system like that. Uh, there's obviously corruption going on and fraud, and that needs to be taken care of. And those who are, are perpetrators of that uh, do need to be taken care of. But just because it's the state police that are doing that, that's no reason why you should go and, and rail against the police. Uh, you know, financial crimes happen in pretty much every single industry. The police are no exception to that. Uh, you see people stealing money and, you know, messing with uh, oh, this, that, and the other thing so often. Uh, money, you know, it, it is, uh, you know, the saying exists for a reason. Money is the root of all evil. Uh, it may not necessarily be money itself, but I think our inherent desire for more, the greed that follows it, will make people do some very selfish and idiotic things. Uh, but in general, I mean, I support the police. I think that they're a very, very necessary force. Most of the time, they do a great job maintain, maintaining and upholding the laws in this country. However, like, like in any industry, you're always going to have some bad people mixed in there. You're going to have plenty of people that do their job with pride. They do a good job. They follow all the rules. And then you're going to have people that do anything but. And I think that goes for anything. Be that for desk jobs, blue-collar, white-collar, anything. Even the service industry, in the world of politics, anything. You're going to have people that do good jobs, follow the rules, uh, you know, maintain those standards and are really role models, and then you're going to have people that are going to screw over everyone else. So, it's always a mixed bag, uh, but with any financial crimes... I hope it's cracked down on, and I hope those who are responsible are put to justice. Uh, but that, again, is from my limited understanding of the situation. 
Uh, the whole the whole thing, from what I've been reading, though, just sounds like a complete mess, uh, to be honest. And now we have our final topic of the show. This one comes from Sabrina N. Uh, she says, I really want to start a YouTube channel, but I'm extremely self-conscious. People on the internet can be so cruel, you know. I'm honestly fearful of being mocked and ridicu- ridiculed just for being myself. Have you ever felt this way? Do you have any tips on how to overcome or maybe even ease this fear? Thank you for your question. Oh, of course, it's something that I think if you if you put yourself out there online, it's something that you are going to deal with. You always are. And nowadays, what I... Like, there was a time when many of the comments on YouTube would really bother me. And I would take them literally, and I would get really down on myself. uh, Because I would think that what these people are saying has to be true, and that there's really something wrong with me, that I'm, you know, one thing after the next. Nowadays, I ignore them, but unfortunately, it inadvertently leads to pessimism about humanity. Uh, Because when I check the comments, you know, I see so much sheer depravity... And, you know, it's disappointing, and it makes me feel, at times, absolutely disgusted with the state of of humanity. And I just have to understand that this is just the worst of it, and that not everyone uh, is such a low-life scumbag, and that there are many good people out there as well. So that's really what gets me down sometimes, not the things that people are saying, but how many people there are out there Uh, with these cancerous attitudes, and uh, it makes me feel uh, very disappointed uh, at the sake of of humanity and how people are. Uh, So that's where it all ends up standing. But at first, oh, look, I'll be honest with you, it hurts. It hurts, and you're going to have people saying you some really, really nasty things. You might get depressed about it. I might get you into a rut. Eventually, what happened with me is it just got to the point where it was so overwhelming, when you hear the same thing, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of times, it loses its effect, you know? Best thing to do is, if you decide to start up a YouTube channel, don't censor it, you know, don't, you know, let, let it be out there. And if people comment those bad things, don't necessarily just try to put up walls to prevent that from getting out there. Instead, the best thing to do is to you know never try to address it directly. Ignore them, but if it tries, if it starts to eat away at you, address it in your mind and try and tell yourself, "Look, this isn't true." If there are those bad comments out there, remember, do not give those idiots more validity than the people who have messages of positivity and kindness as well. That is far more important than any of that negativity out there, though unfortunately sometimes it just is not as powerful or as potent as a message. But if you get the good comments, make sure you read those too. And, you know, really pay attention to what those have to say. And for the bad ones, sometimes just address it. If it really bothers you, if you have friends or family or someone you can talk to about it, do that. Uh, There's places, of course, you can just post anonymously and just vent. 
but just make sure not to let those bad comments and feedback run your life. There's no way to really run away from them, because if you get yourself out there online, like I said, they're going to be there. There's always those trolls and naysayers. However, the best thing is not to give those comments justification and validity. Don't hide them, but just realize that it's not true. That these are people that are just filled with hatred, they're nasty, they're trying to bring you down. Don't let them win, and focus on the good out there as well. Because I, that I can guarantee there will be as well. Yes, there's the bad out there, but there's the good too, and you can't forget about that. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week, concluding today's podcast this Thursday, the 25th of April, 2019. Again, any correspondence may be sent to vorwinfo at gmail.com, vorwinfo at gmail.com. As always, you can support this program by donating via PayPal to vorwinfo at gmail.com, via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. You may advertise on this program by submitting an advertisement inquiry to vorwinfo at gmail.com. And likewise, you can obtain merchandise for this show, teespring.com slash stores slash the report of the week. And you can use the coupon code teespring10 at checkout for a 10% discount. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you next week, Thursday, the 2nd of May, 2019. Have a beautiful remainder of the month of April, and a pleasant May 1st at that. Thank you, and do take care.